Hello and welcome to the ARC Podcast. I'm Adam Savados. On today's episode, Joy and I talk to Steve Weens. Steve is the author of two NavPress books, Beginnings and Whole. We had a great conversation with him talking about both of his books and a little bit about his life and some of his writing and his podcast, which is called The Good Word. Steve is the pastor at Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, and he has a website, steveweens.com, and I encourage you to go check out more about him there. So please enjoy this episode, and if you want to learn more about Steve's books, visit his website or hop on over to navpress.com. So, Steve, thank you so much for being a part of the ARC podcast today. We're really happy to have you. So great to be here. So, Steve Weens is the author of two books with Nav Press, one called Beginnings, and his next one that's coming out in August is called Whole. So we invited Steve to the show to share a little bit more about both of those. So, Steve, before we uh, get into the books, can you share with us how you became a writer? Well, um, it's sort of a funny story because, um, like I didn't, uh, about five years ago, I was having coffee with a friend and I had noticed that when people would say like, what do you do besides being a pastor? I would say, oh, I write, you know, and then they would go, oh really? Like, sh- like show me what you have, you know? And then I would have nothing. <laughs> I would have just a big, you know, like I started a blog, I don't know, about 13 years ago and it was horrible. I mean, I blogged like once every 14 months and, uh, and it was just awful. Um, and so my friend, her name is Steph. My friend said, well, you should really start a blog. And I said, no, no, that, I mean, I hate blogs. I hate Christian blogs, especially because they're just so (laughs) awful. Um, the comments get weird and, and she goes, well, just, just don't do comments then. You know, I'm like, you wait a minute. Like you can do that. She's like, yeah, you can do anything you want. And so I said, okay. Um, and so that I, that idea grew in me. So I started this blog and I called it the actual pastor, which is sort of funny, but my whole goal was to talk about my life, to write about my life as it actually is no veneer. Um, and honestly, the, the, um, that just, that just blew up. I mean, for me, like I started writing, I started posting three or four times a week and, um, and I did that for a couple years, uh, and I loved it. I loved the interaction, um, and and then I had an idea, you know, to write a book, and that's how beginnings started. But it was really kind of a dare <laughs> that, that got me into writing, and also the shame of realizing I was calling myself a writer while not writing. Yes, exactly. Yes. How have you seen your your finesse or your passion grow through the blog? Because I'm sure as a writer, you kind of have to find your niche. You kind of figure out what am I meant to write about? How did you use the blog to figure that out? Well, I think it, you know, it really helped that I started with a pretty specific goal. I was going to write about my life, the ups and downs, the raw, the, the, you know, the joy. And I wasn't, I sort of, and so this was back in 2013 that I started it. And to be honest, um, you know, everyone will say the key to growing your audience is, is like back then it was, if you blogged about Mark Driscoll or Rob Bell or, you know what I mean? Like any of the big, you would automatically get all these clicks, but the kind of clicks you would get were typically going to be, I mean, you would get traffic, but you would get, um, controversial traffic. And I didn't want that. And so I just, I specifically chose not to write 
not that I wouldn't write controversial things, but I wasn't going to clickbait, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I didn't. And so just writing about my own life and, um, with vulnerability. And this is right when like Brene Brown was coming on the scene too. And so I, I mean, I'm not trying to overtly say like, I'm, I'm just like Brene Brown. <laughs> remember, remember Brene Brown? Well, I'm the male version. Certainly not. But I think, um, she was a, a mentor from afar in what it means to be vulnerable. And so that's how I sort of found my, found my niche. And mm-hmm. to be honest, and I did do comments. I mean, I did allow comments and most of them were just beautiful. Um, uh, and a lot of in it together type of language. Mm-hmm. So, okay. and, and you're a pastor, uh, as your main job, how do you balance that between your writing and being a pastor? Do you find one helps the other? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, I'm, first of all, um, so I, I planted a church three years ago. So I, I would, I'm a pastor and church planter, which is a little bit of a um, unique thing. And while it's maybe more work on, on one end, on the other end, you get to set the culture that you set. And so from the very beginning, um, uh, there just was lots of people that do lots of things. And I, I write and I preach and I lead and I meet with people, but I don't, I'm not swamped with 50 million things. So, um, from the beginning, writing and speaking outside of the church was always a part of it. So, um, actually part of my job description is to write and speak outside of the church. So mm-hmm. I'm a bit lucky when it, when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's great that you make it a priority because then it's, it really probably develops a culture of sending in your church, you know, if you see your leader going out into the world beyond your neighborhood, beyond your city, it says, wow, God's bigger than, you know, right. your neighbor. Yes, Joy, totally. I, I thank you for connecting those dots. Mm-hmm. And I think it also creates room for other people to do lots of things within the church and be sent. So it doesn't have to be, um, you know, pastor centric, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the, actually one of the, one of the sins of the American church of the last hundred years that mm-hmm. we, we've just been too celebrity centric and pastor centric. We haven't really done the work of, um, you know, I was just reading Ephesians four this morning. It sounds so dorky, like, well, in my Bible study this morning, <laughs> um, you know, but it was, and, and I, and I read anew like this thought that, uh, God sends pastors to equip people. Uh, and seriously, just this morning, I was reminded, like, that's my job, actually. It's not to, um, to do all the work. It's to equip people. So, yes, yeah. Absolutely. Well said. So, Steve, if we're to transition a little bit into the books that you've written, can you share with us what Beginnings is all about? Yeah, Beginnings um, grew in my mind when I was actually um, – so I, I get the – I have a, the wonderful opportunity to study with a rabbi from Boston, a Jewish rabbi. And we were, we were going through the seven days of creation and, um, you know, so, so like on the one level, that sounds like the most boring thing ever, like <laughs> the seven days of creation. But as we looked at it, um, things were just exploding in my mind. Like day one, when God says, let there be light, uh, what's, what's, what's happening, what exists is this Hebrew phrase, tohu vavohu. And it means it's the chaos, it's the darkness, it's the swirling energy that uh, that's completely chaotic that exists before any creation has started. And so we begin to talk about and I begin to think about all the ways in which at that point my life was completely tohu vavohu. I had three little kids. 
um, the ages of five, three, and three. I have twins. Uh, and so that was like, I didn't, I didn't sense a lot of order in my life. I sensed a lot of chaos. Uh, and I was about to start this church. And so my life was in Tohu Vavohu. So the book Beginnings is really all about how the seven days of creation are a kind of pattern for all beginnings that happen. And so in day one, God brings order and light out of the chaotic darkness in your life. Like, so, you know, when you, when you have, um, uh, when you, when you get a, a cancer scare or you lose your job or you lose a relationship, there's a way in which you can see, gosh, you know, I'm in, I'm in day one. And then it, it, it goes on and on. Day two is about the, the expansion that you need to go through in your own life so that you can hold the life that God has for you. And so, um, I wrote about when my wife got pregnant with twins, um, and she carried those babies to, uh, 38 weeks and Ben was born at eight pounds and Elijah was seven pounds. So there was this just huge, yes, yes, dear Lord, (laughs) hero of the planet. Um, but you know, there's the sense of if God plants seeds of life within us, this sense of when, when it comes out, um, this is the really good stuff that God wants to bless the world with. That would be day three. In order to get that to come out, we have to go through an expansion of character, and, and that's day two. And so uh, beginnings go through, go through all seven days as, as a way of seeing where we are in life, sort of like a, sort of like a mall map, you know, oh, I'm in day four, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we, and because I believe that God is always making all things new, the theme of beginnings uh, was really, really poignant to me. Uh, and I, I believe God brings I don't believe God causes all things, all evil, but God brings beginnings out of them if we partner with God in that. Now here's a, this is kind of a big question, it, um, but how do you um, recognize these um, transitions and find meaning in them and then take a step back and recognize that you have something that can be shared with other people and then take another step back and see that you have this structure of the seven days and put that <laughs> yeah. all into a book. How do you, Yeah. where does that even mash up and where do you come up yeah. with that idea? Like what, what crazy <laughs> laboratory am right. I cooking right. up down here in the basement of my home in Minneapolis? Um, you know, I would say, honestly, it, it, a lot of it comes out of these, these study sessions that I have with this rabbi and then a group of people. So I usually study with about 12 people. And he leads us through uh, what is called a Socratic method. So it's it's mm-hmm. so we take a text, but then we ask. He asks a million questions, and that spirit of inquiry, where everybody has a voice, and where it's not just a teacher telling you what to think, but it's a teacher, sort of like a river rafting guide, you know, going down a river that he's been on a million times, but every day that river is going to be going to flow a little differently. Sometimes it's flowing really hot and heavy you know, stage five, sometimes it's stage one. And that's how he looks at study. And so that has profoundly affected how I write and how I preach even and how I think. So when I approach a text or when I approach, and both of my books are are heavy, like it's it's around a certain idea of scripture that um, I just follow the arc and I ask a million questions. Uh, you know, instead of looking at the Bible as, as a way to find all the answers, I actually look at it 
as a way to find the really delicious questions that launch us onto journeys. And so I would say uh, the semi-shorter answer to that brilliant and really beautiful question actually is inquiry. I I look at the scriptures and my own life and the people with whom I get to do life with the spirit of inquiry. What can I learn? Where is this taking us? versus, I mean, I'm saying when I'm at my best, when I'm at my worst, I don't do it with inquiry. I mean, I, I, I shut people down and I hide and you know, you know what I mean? But when I'm at my, yeah, but when I'm at my best, I think every, every possible interaction can lead us somewhere. And I think God is very involved in all of those things when we approach it with like, what if, what if, and where, and how? And to me, that's just so much uh, more fun than mm-hmm. trying to whittle it down. Like when you're talking about the scriptures, trying to whittle it down to the truest nugget, the one thing that it says for all history of all time. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe that's true certain times. But boy, it's it's a lot more interesting when we find our own story embedded within the great story. Then yes. Then my story is bigger than just you know, getting fired from a job or being ticked off at my three kids because they're totally crazy and screaming in the minivan on the way home from their birthday party. Just, you know, totally theoretically yesterday afternoon at 431, but still. Yes. You know, I love what you're describing, Steve. It really sounds a lot like imagination and then also an awareness that we won't know all ever because then we would be God. Exactly. You know, I I even someone told me recently that we will continue to learn in heaven. And at first I was like, no, like everything should be complete and perfect. But they're like, well, if you knew all things, you would be omniscient and then you would be one with God and we won't ever be completely one with God. So um, I was also reading, you know, again to, you know, go back to Bible study. I was reading yesterday in Isaiah 6. About We're such how, nerds. Yeah, we are such nerds. Well, I, in uh, my personal, in my noon study, I was, uh, anyway, no, I, Isaiah 6. Yes, go. Isaiah 6. So um, that's the story of when as a vision and he's commissioned by God to speak to the people of Israel. And unfortunately, he's given a very depressing message. But even before God gives him that, he says, woe is me, my lips are unclean, and I am from a people of unclean lips as well. And what was beautiful was that the the seraph took the coal and touched his lips as a way of purification, of cleansing, versus destruction. Usually the fire of God is wrath. And for this, he was using a different purpose. And I think, you know, I was listening to a sermon by Keller on this on this passage and he was saying that Isaiah said here I am send me and that allowed God to flow into his life and I think what you're talking about here is asking these questions you're inviting God to be the answer he won't always give you you know the a sermon note on it but him in and of himself is the fulfillment of really our you know our soul's question so Oh, I love that. Love how you said that, Joy. Mm-hmm. And you know that that phrase, here I am, send me. It, if, if, if you notice, it, it's all over the scriptures. It's here I am. Moses says it. Yeah. Uh, Samuel says it. Um, Isaiah says it. God even says it to us. It's this Hebrew phrase, hineni. Uh, H-I-N-E-N-I would be the phonetical spelling, hineni. And what it means is it's a sense of like when God calls your name. And usually it's God calls someone's name. And then they say hineni. 
it's like a, a vow that says wherever you're calling me, whatever it's going to lead to, and I don't know what it's going to lead to. My answer is I'm all in. I'm yes. So, so it, 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 it's, it's more than just roll call. Here I am. Yeah. It's, it's Isaiah and, and Isaiah six is saying, I am all in hmm. to whatever it is that you lead me. And then, uh, you know, when you realize his life, I mean, he had a pretty tough life, you know, mm-hmm. and, and God led him into some pretty difficult things. But his response was Hineni, mm-hmm. which is pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Can you tell uh, Joy's about to become a pastor's wife? <laughs> I actually am. I'm Are you really? <laughs> yes, to a pastor. So this is good. I need to keep up on my Bible study. <laughs> that is awesome. We joke uh, that Joy's the serious one, and somehow I always somehow bring up Star Wars during these yeah. the rest of the podcast the rest of the podcast yeah well as you think of it let's move on to whole um Steve can you share us the subtitle of this book is restoring what is broken in me you and the entire world that's a pretty big premise <laughs> everyone <laughs> that I tell that that premise they're in the subtitle too they always go well that's aggressive you know like <laughs> whoa the entire world um Okay, so whole, uh, I get that from the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is usually translated peace, and it means peace, but the but the idea of shalom is much more complex. It's much more nuanced. It really carries the idea of wholeness, uh, completeness. It's the sense of the work that is being done by God, I believe, at all times and throughout all history. I think the arc, the major arc of scripture, uh, A-R-C, and this is the lens through which I read the scripture, is that God is always at all times making all things new or making all things whole. And so, um, you know, it's really fascinating. I, I start the book out with this story about my one and a half year old son, Isaac, and he sort of toddles over to me. And um, he has, I, I, you know, I could tell he has something in his mouth. And so I dig around in his mouth, which is totally lame if you're doing it to anyone else other than your one and a half year old son. But there's a big piece of glass in there. Like it's about the size of a quarter. And I was terrified uh, that, I mean, he could have easily swallowed it. What's even more terrifying is that I remember seeing that piece of glass in between the refrigerator and the wall a couple of days ago, and I didn't grab it. I didn't clean it up for whatever reason. And where I go with that is that there uh, there are so many jagged pieces of glass sitting around that we swallow or that we leave and other people swallow, and it leads to major brokenness and, um, and a sense of disunity. And that is that seems to be a, a, like the picture of our world right now, is that it, it is very fragmented. And we as a people are very fragmented. Uh, we're divided politically, we're divided religiously, we're you know divided certainly, um, even in the Christian, like in, even in the Christian world, we're <laughs> completely divided. And so what would it look like uh, to move toward wholeness? And so in part one of the book, uh, I, I each chapter, there's five chapters of part one, and I, I ask a different question for each chapter, and they're all from the scripture. So the first question, that God asks human beings is so delicious. I mean, I just love this. We could, we could, we could talk about this for years, but the question is, where are you? Right? Adam and Eve, sin. By the way, it was both of them, not just Eve. Adam was right there, <laughs> complicit totally. Adam and Eve sin, and then they go into hiding. Uh, and God says, where are you? And you know, 
Well, you could ask, well, why did he say that? Because God certainly knew where they were. But to, to, to go there makes the Bible the most boring wooden book. Instead, we ask, why did God ask where they were? And how does God still ask that question of us? Where are you when you're fragmented, when you're hiding in shame? Um, and what do you believe about God? You know, and God clothes them. God reintroduces them um, to each other. They have to leave Eden, but that's not the end of the story, right? And so the next question is, am I my brother's keeper? And that that comes right out of, you know, so the first the first brothers of Adam and Eve end up murdering each other. You know? I mean, one of them murders the other one. So it's this it's this um, it's like, where is humanity going? And God asks Cain, where is your brother Abel? And again, why does God ask this question? And and Cain answers, I don't know. Am I my brother? <laughs> you know, he's like, Am I my brother's keeper? And God doesn't answer the question. And so whenever God doesn't answer a question, which is most of the time in scriptures, and especially with Jesus, mm-hmm. um, we know that this is going to be a conversation that's going to go on for a long time. So the rest of Genesis, if you really read it, is brothers fighting with brothers. Jacob and Esau, even Ishmael and Isaac. I mean, it's brutal. Um, and then we get to Joseph, the son of Jacob, and he is out looking for his brothers who are planning to kill him. And this person, this is the third question. I, I won't go through all five, but the third question is, what are you seeking? Because this this ubiquitous, mysterious man in this field in Shechem asks Joseph, what are you looking for? What What are you seeking? And for the first time in Genesis, a brother is seeking his brothers. He says, I'm, I'm seeking my brothers. And I'm actually uh, seeking the shalom of my brothers. And so the Joseph story is the hinge point where now we see the arc of shalom start to really break forth. And so anyway, um, there are other questions. And then, and then the second part of the book is the journey from the journey of the Exodus from Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land, promised land, not being a panacea at, in any, in any way, shape or form, but it's a way of saying, where are we on the journey of restoration? Like I tell the story in a book. So I'm, I'm in the book. I'm, I'm sitting, having lunch with my friend D and D is the six foot, um, 30 year old black woman who's one of my friends. She's a preacher and she's amazing. And, um, and, you know, I'm telling her about, you know, I'm writing about the Exodus and she just stops me. She goes, do not tell me a white pastor is associating his people with the Israelites. You know you're Egypt, right? <laughs> I was just like, whoa. Um, and she, was, she helped me see sometimes, sometimes you're Pharaoh in the story. Sometimes you are Egypt in, in, in the story. In the, in the story where you're searching for the pieces of jagged glass, sometimes you're Egypt for someone else. And so we explore that a lot in the book too. Um, and then you have to go through the wilderness, right? There's no nonstop flight from Egypt to the promised land. <laughs> so, yeah. You've, you've gotten two books out of Genesis, so... <laughs> You've got hundreds more books in you. If you, I'm just getting started. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and do you know the name of my church? Of course, is Genesis. Genesis. Yeah. So, um, I tip my hand a bit in 
in the story. You know, and a lot of a lot of uh, rabbis, the ancients, really looked at Genesis as as the prologue. Like the real story starts in Exodus, starts with liberation, and Genesis is just all about like how did we get here? You know, how did we get in 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 slavery? Uh, so it's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, if you were asked by someone who picked up your book. You know, Steve, what would you have me take away from this? Like, what are the biggest questions or even answers that you would want me to to understand? What would you say? Well, I think, you know, um, for both books, I would ask a question. And I would say, but I really think both books help people ask the question, what do I really want? My books don't offer a bunch of answers. They're not going to um, give you the five easy ways to have a great victorious life and make lots of money too and follow Jesus. <laughs> um, I think if if they're doing their job, um, they're going to help people get in touch with the deep longing of their soul um, through asking the questions. And like in beginnings, it would be through helping people identify what day they're in, metaphorically speaking. Uh, like day five is facing your monsters, you know, so when it comes down to facing down addiction or, you know, like I'm in day five, for example, uh, you know, for whole, it's, I mean, it's really one of the questions, like, what are you seeking? You know, really, what are you seeking? And to be honest, I think it's a critique, um, too. I mean, I wouldn't say this is the biggest part of the book, but I'm, I'm a Christian and I, so I can critique my own, my own tribe. Right. But it's a critique of like, will, will you be content with just knowing the answers about God? Or will you join God in God's work of making all things new and bringing restoration to this world? I'm not talking about heaven when you die, although thank God for that. I'm talking about joining God in the work now of loving our enemies and confronting the darkness inside of us so that we can seek shalom. Mm -hmm. So, um, gosh, that was a pretty complex answer. (laughs) No, (laughs) that was very well Simple question. No, I hope people get book. rich, you know, mm-hmm. really reading my book. I hope people just make lots of money. <laughs> so if, if beginnings is your a new hope and whole is your empire strikes back, what is your return of the Jedi? Oh. What is your Ewok? <laughs> uh, you totally worked it in. I love it. I love it. You've got um, some Ewoks around in your brain somewhere. Yeah. I mean, um, and, and, and PS. So before I answer that question, I need to rank. I need to rank okay. at least four of these movies because we're not going to rank episodes one, two, and three. They're, yeah. they're just unrankable. I don't even count those. It's just a waste of time. But I would say episode five, Empire Strikes Back, is number one. Yeah. I, and then episode four, I mean, A New Hope, absolutely. And then I would go to episode seven, which I loved. Yeah, I loved it. And then, and then Return of the Jedi. I mean, was good. You know, it was good, but but Nostalgic. pretty distant four. You know, yeah. distant I named my son Luke, so that's. <laughs> You know how I feel. <laughs> Did you really? For real? Yes! That's so great. Um, well, you know, I would answer a bit of no no comment. I mean, I, I, I do have an idea for, for my next book um, that is very much swirling around right now. Um, I don't even really want to um, – I don't even really want to talk about it. But it's it's really getting bigger and bigger in, in, in my mind. And so it's so it's funny about like the book writing process is by the time you get to releasing your book, like my book is not even out, like whole is not even out yet. But it's been done for 
three or four months, you know? So by the time it's time to launch that thing, you're almost done with it. You know, like you're like, get, okay, go to college already. You know, (laughs) I want to work on the next one. Um, but, but then you get all excited talking about it like this again. And so, um, so it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So Steve, if, uh, our listeners are curious and they want to know more about you or by book, where should they go online? Well, uh, the easiest way would probably be just to go to my website, steveweens.com, uh, W-I-E-N-S. And on that, you can find links to both my books. And I also have a, I wrote a 30-day devotional um, that I think is on, I think it's 99 cents. Um, but it's called These Good Words, and it's sort of, um, it's it's 30 uh, unique essays and scripture verses that you know, just kind of help you walk through, um, walk through the month. But uh, you, you can get, you can buy them, buy links to them on stevewings.com. You can also find my podcast, which is called This Good Word. Uh, you can find it on my website. And um, that's been a lot of fun, too, to do the podcast, so... Um, yeah, I would say that's the best. SteveWeens.com um, is how you can get in touch with me uh, and how you can buy my books and, and follow what I'm doing. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. It was fun. Absolutely. It was my <laughs> pleasure. You guys were so fun. So yeah. fun. Same with you. Thanks, Steve. Have a great afternoon. Okay. You too. Thanks, you guys. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.